Welcome to Coffee House. So I wanted to do a comment show where we looked at your comments on YouTube because there have been some doozies on there, but for some reason I'm having issues getting into it. So <laughs> instead, since I booked this time and wanted to do some kind of special in-between episode, I thought we'd go back, we'd rewind, and have a look at where we've been so far because I'm sure we've done over 200 episodes. Where are we now? I think we're well over 200 episodes by now. So I wanted to go back and look at some of the books that we've already discussed because I'm I'm sure a lot of new people have rolled on in and maybe they didn't go all the way back to the beginning where I was I was just so young and there were uh, a lot of different aspects to uh, to the podcast that um, have since fallen by the wayside we'll say in a gentle way but so what what were some of the books the whole idea at the beginning was to try to get a person from kind of every political persuasion and read books that they recommended so we could have a very well-rounded understanding of the world and the way people think and all of that. So the three people I eventually settled on were Ben Shapiro, Sam Harris, and Jordan Peterson, supposed to represent the right, the left, and the middle, respectively. So I think in the beginning, I did a, a hell of a lot more Sam Harris books. Uh, and of course, if if anybody doesn't know yet, I have met this person. Uh, now I think he's just kind of a douchebag. And I haven't listened to his podcast in many a month. But we started out reading many of the books that he recommended. So the very first book, very first book that we did was The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. Of course, this was part of the New Wave Atheism that likely had a hand in bringing about the new religion of wokeism. So <laughs> I was a staunch participant in this transition and now regretting it wholeheartedly. But The God Delusion and the rest of the New Atheists, I can't. I know we read Daniel Dennett's book, and I can't remember a damn thing from it. But I definitely read, I loved the way Hitchens wrote. I read Sam Harris's book a couple of times. I read The God Delusion a couple of times. But the New Atheist writing, it was kind of just establishing pretty obvious things and not being very philosophically astute or complex. And it was likely designed that way for a reason, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing. It was accessible. It was easy to get into. It was saying a lot of the things that a lot of people want wanted to say, but didn't feel like they were able to do so. How quaint it was to be worried about over-criticizing religion a few years ago, <laughs> and now to see where we are, wow. But anyway, so Richard Dawkins, of course, evolutionary biologist, and the God Delusion, he talks about kind of the basic arguments for God. I'm sure Kalam made an appearance, the cosmological argument, uh, I'm guessing some of the other arguments for God, and I think it was really important for these new atheist books to point out how shoddy and flawed these arguments are. And for Richard Dawkins' book in particular, he went into a lot of the things about evolution being extremely important as a concept, one of the most important discoveries in the history of humanity for us understanding so many things and having it being detailed in, in such a great way by somebody who really knows what they're talking about and who really appreciates the phenomenon and understanding it was a great thing to have. So that's where we started. We started out with the God Delusion, and we were going down the list. I think it was the Goodreads list for Sam Harris, so I think it listed them by popularity. So we ended up with another Richard Dawkins book for the second one, which was The Selfish Gene, which I hadn't read before but did read then. Wonderful, wonderful idea to understand that we are likely meat sacks for our genes as they compete with each other internally and compete with the rest of the genes out there. So there wouldn't be, and this is the sad state of 
what humanity likely is. There's not some kind of metaphysical importance, as far as we know, or is at least implied by this idea, to what a human is or what humans do. It's just a matter of genes acting in their own self-interest, and the reason that they propagate more than others is because they have a self-interest, is because they're trying to propagate more than others. So genes that don't, don't have a self-interest and wouldn't want to propagate and therefore die out and don't spread amongst the population. So to think that we meat sacks are just facilitators of the survival of our genes is a kind of a sad concept, but interesting one to think about. Then we got into our first work of literature of the top 100, number 100, was the Decameron. The Decameron, of course, D-E-C, deck, being the Latin root for 10, and this was 10 squared, 10 times 10. 100 stories, 100 stories of, that came out of this era. This was right around the Black Death, right? This is the big plague. A lot of people are dying. And the setup here was a bunch of people telling stories to each other. It's like rich kids who got to get away from the whole thing and go off to the country villa. And so they're telling each other stories and the point is that it's kind of a psychological response to everything being so dire it's just okay let's just deal in debauchery and fun and funniness and each person gets to tell a story some women some men and the whole point is to just get this sex and frivolity and that'll be the subject matter and we get to forget our predicament for a little while. So that was the structure of it. I still remember the pain of reading through these because I read every single one of them and just thinking about after I'd read the next story and then the next story and the next story and thinking about, oh my gosh, I still have 70 more of these things to go. You know, even if I was charmed by one or interested in one or whatever, I'd still think, what fresh hell have I entered into that I have to read just story after story after story and how am I going to remember any of this stuff? And of course to today, I still have these fleeting images. And I'm sure if I listened to the episode, then I'd remember vividly the kinds of things that happened. But I think there was one where like, <laughs> there's a guy hiding somewhere and he's banging this girl from behind while she's like talking to her husband or something like that. And it's just a whole bunch of nonsense, just a tremendous amount of nonsense. But it was the point that it has a bigger importance, larger importance in the macro context that it was one of the first times that they had. This is like a sitcom. You know, this was a sitcom in that era that people just got to enjoy this frivolity and debauchery and and get away from their daily lives for a little bit. Then we moved on Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. This is one that I am definitely, I'm sure I've said this before, but I'm definitely going to return to this over and over again. And I haven't yet, but I'm, I'm definitely going to. It's a short one. It has just some amazing wisdom. It's amazing how he seems like such an important <laughs> father figure. And I think that most people should should read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Then we moved on to Metamorphoses by Ovid. So he was a Latin writer and specifically talking about Roman mythology. So it's coming hard upon our reading of Norse mythology by Neil Gaiman. So Metamorphoses by Ovid, it was a much longer book. There were many more myths built into this. But this is one, I mean, he talks about there would be like Romulus and Remus and Daedalus. So just a bunch of myths. But I think there were tons of giants and they were doing all sorts of weird things was this the one where no i think no this was that was a different one so this one was specifically these myths i was thinking about the other one that we read that had a bunch of giants doing all sorts of weird stuff and it was really really long but no the metamorphoses by ovid was just talking about the cool myths and i don't remember all the particulars as much as i remember the norse mythology ones but i'm sure there were some good stories in there then we had sam harris's reading list again 
DMT, The Spirit Molecule, was this book by Rick Strassman. And uh, I think I really enjoyed this one. It went into a lot of detail about doing all these studies related to the use of DMT and what kinds of effects it had on people. And the thing that stands out to me now, having read it a while ago, is how people kind of regressed back to the mean after they'd had these really deep, supposedly transformative experiences after being on DMT. They'd have a reaction to that where they'd, you know, want to get their life together and apply apologize to the people they wronged and and uh, do better for a little while and then that kind of disappeared over time as they regressed back to where they were and this was something that always kind of struck me and I don't remember what I say in the episode so I could be contradicting myself at this point but the idea that taking some kind of a substance actually has some kind of metaphysical significance because I know Sam Harris he loves this stuff and he loves this kind of spirituality and going down all these rabbit holes but it was always something that just annoyed me to think that within our brains, our primate brains, that if we take a particular chemical that we have some kind of a, a unity with the universe <laughs> and uh, there's some kind of metaphysical importance to what we quote unquote learn in that state. Now, of course, that's not to say I've been listening to Sean Carroll's podcast, and he's been talking about quantum physics, and I watched an explanation of what the standard model is and, and all the different parts of it, and it's so weird, the numerology that's built into this stuff. It was something like 12 particles and three forces, you know, all the things that are divisible by three, and there are 12 apostles, and there are 12 months, and... <laughs> and the, there's a, the Holy Trinity, and there are the three forces, and... The, and the god particle at the center. It's just so weird that how that all works. I definitely myself have some kind of special affinity for three and things that are divisible by three. Who was it, Dante, that loved the number 81 that was nine nines, nine is three threes? Uh, I can't remember who. It's so weird that that's the case. I can't. Why did I get onto that tangent? What I'm saying, okay, so <laughs> there could be some kind of a really amazing, weird quantum physical <laughs> inversion of the way that we understand the universe you know something that Sean Carroll was talking about was how the concept of time and I can't remember specifically how he put it or what he was talking about it for but the way that I thought about it when he was talking about it was that the idea of progression of time like time going forward or there being cause and effect or there being a beginning and an end the idea of that could be just an adaptation of our primate brain trying to make sense of what's going on out there with the atoms and particles and, and the things that we're trying to interact with when in reality time is is just illusory and the concept of beginning and end of start and then continuing on of determinism all those things the, the concept of that could just be an adaptation of our feeble primate brains just trying to make sense of something you know just like we see a particular wavelength as a particular color and it has a particular meaning to us just like we have that we use that adaptation to make sense of the world that the idea of time and progression and moving forward all that could be the same thing it's this it's an adaptation all right now that we did our drum circle and took our <laughs> illicit substances uh, okay now that we've done that we can go on to the next one Fathers and sons. Okay, I think this is going to be the last one that I kind of go back over. We only got to, we didn't get that far, that deep into it. But this is number 98 on the best of literature list. I just don't want to make these <laughs> these too long. It's just a recap episode. It's like those episodes in The Simpsons where it'd be like a clip show. Oh, remember this time in The Simpsons? <laughs> and all that. So I don't want to do this, do this for too long. 
But Fathers and Sons by Ivan Turgenev, is that who it was? This one, I think, has a special providence to our current situation. Because what happens in that book, if I remember correctly, was that the son goes off to school, goes off to university, and then brings a friend home. And the friend is like this radical anarchist. And he's like polluting the youth and has all these bad ideas. And I can't remember how it ends, to be perfectly honest. But the setup, that idea of the setup of the kid going off to school and then is introduced to these kinds of ideas represented by his friend and however that ends up whether the some of these ideas are vindicated or they're not vindicated it was kind of scandalous at the time it came out in Russia but whatever the case this i mean this is something that could really apply to today although the family connection might not mean the same thing as it used to but the whole idea of kids going off to university being sent off by their parents and then coming back home after a couple years there of intellectual degradation and just spouting nothing but you know woke nonsense and CRT and all that sort of thing there could be some kind of an update on this story on the fathers and sons story but anyway, we are almost done with July of 2021. We are halfway through this particular year. <laughs> And it seems like civilization is kind of teetering on the brink. It's it's one of those things that everybody wants to say, you know, you feel it's a kind of chronocentrism that you feel that your time is the important one, that your time is the time that you have to stand up and do something. But it definitely feels like that <laughs> without being too chronocentrist. It definitely feels like that now. So I think there's much more to be done than simply sitting here and talking about books, but it is something I thoroughly enjoy doing, so I'm going to keep try to keep that up in the midst of all the other stuff. So, like I said before, it's The Gates of Fire that's coming up next by Stephen Pressfield, and then after that I'm not sure, but I thought that would be a fun little soup swung. Is that how you say it? <laughs> the chess move? The, the in-between chess move? Before we get to more heavy political stuff. No, it's a Svishinsug, right? I don't know any of those other languages. Svishinsug, I think, is the proper term. Regardless, this is the one we're doing, Gates of Fire, and uh, it's about the Battle of Thermopylae. And then we'll we'll go on from there. But I hope all is well. I'll see you on the next one. All right, bye. <laughs>